Enga mana engari o tahuti mai kiti nei mo pāho tanga kōtia hika he matapihiti nei kite o Māori. Nā reira no piki mai, no kake mai. Ko Justin Murray aho. In this series, we've looked at the inner workings of the Maramataka, the Māori lunar calendar, a guide to good and not so good days to plant, fish or collect kaimwana. But the Maramataka is also a guide to the workings of the natural environment and how it relates to human behaviour, as explained by exponent Riniata Makiha. So those Tangaro days, they train on the water, in the water or near the water. So those tamatea, all our calendars, over 600 of them that we've got, tell us those tamatea days are unpredictable. Be careful when you're out on the water uh, because the wind's unpredictable, uh, rain's unpredictable, the whole weather pattern's unpredictable, and guess what? People are unpredictable on those days too. In this week's final episode of the series, we talked to Ririata about acquiring knowledge of the Marmataka within the Fare Wananga, and it was all by default. My dad, uh, he, he had an injury, uh, eye injury uh, during the war, and so he couldn't, uh, uh, by the time it came round to the 1970s, he could hardly see, so I used to drive him around at night and of course uh, ended up sitting in the wānanga and so ended up by default becoming one of the students <laughs> of that wānanga sitting in with uh, uh, Kaumatu, you know, some of them were in their 70s. Koena te kaupapa kōrero e haere that's coming up in this edition of Te Ahikā. We join Ririata Makiha from the Radio New Zealand studios in Auckland. Koina te mea tuatahi tupu mai au i roto hokianga, tupu mai hokianga ngari he hononga wāku kei roto te arawa. So I was born and raised in hokianga, uh, but I also have very close connections to tuhaurangi Ngāti Wāhiao in Rotorua and also connections to Rangitāne. So in terms of your... Um your upbringing, uh, were you raised and, and born and bred in the Hokianga? I was uh, born and raised in uh, communities around Taheke, uh, Waima and Otaua uh, back in the 19, uh, early 1950s at a time when uh, there were no uh, radios and no electricity, um, no uh, Gregorian calendars to tell you what day you were in uh, and so the whole childhood relied on the knowledge that was passed on by the our grandparents, grandmothers and all our aunties who had this amazing ability to know exactly where they were in their environment without any um, uh, outside influence, any uh, watches, clocks or, you know, radios and stuff like that to, that we use today, uh, they had none of that and that they, they knew exactly where they were and what time of the, uh, which part of the season they were in just by tuning into the environment. So that was the background to my upbringing. So time as we know it didn't exist? Well, different kind of a time. So... In um, in our modern day, people talk about, for example, they talk about summer months, uh, the summer, winter, autumn, spring. Uh, but back in the old uh, calendar days, there was uh, we had uh, eight phases of summer and six phases of winter, and uh, 
that the kōtero was handed down through the ancient uh, Farewananga that was brought down on uh, with Nuku Tafiti and uh, on the Ngātoki Matafaurua Waka and the companion waka, the Māmari, which was captained by Ruanui. And it was on uh, the Māmari that the knowledge uh, for the Maramataka was brought down and passed down through oral histories from generation to generation and right down to, to our generation. I think I was the last of the students that uh, uh, were put through what we call the uh, blackouts where we were taught in the dark and weren't allowed to to write anything, just mm-hmm. everything by recall. So anyway, uh, that's the method they, they passed on down to to our generations. And of course when the when uh, Samuel Marsden and them came into the Hokianga, they set up these uh, church missionary schools, firstly in the North Hokianga and then later on in South Hokianga. And we have um, uh, some examples of uh, some of the things our ancestors learned from those church missionary schools because they recorded all that uh, oral histories uh, in books and they wrote them down and we have examples of their writings dating back to 1815. Uh, so, you know, in the years before the Tiriti or Waitangi. And so we're recording and preserving those for the, and setting up Wananga to teach all that uh, to the for the next generations. Mm. So I'm interested to hear more about this the, the Wananga you speak about going through that uh, that phase of learning from 1970 to about 1978. Would you at the time, Rianta, were you singled out in a sense to be a repository of this uh, knowledge? Uh, I think I was singled out by default uh, because okay. uh, my dad uh, he, he had an injury uh, eye injury uh, during the war. And so he couldn't, uh, uh, by the time it came round to the 1970s, he could hardly see. So I used to drive mm. him around at night and, of course, uh, ended up sitting in the wānanga and so ended up by default becoming one of the students <laughs> of that wānanga, sitting in with uh, uh, Komato, you know, some of them were in their 70s. And, yes. And this was uh, pretty daunting, uh, sitting, I was only 18 years of age, I think, so... Yes, what do you who 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 taught this Wananga? Uh, my dad, uh, my dad was a student for the early Wananga that they were run in Hokianga, and uh, they go back to the times of uh, Aperehamatonui. Uh, but his principal tutors were Mohi Waitai from Omanaya uh, and Huru Titore also from Omanaya, uh, and they were the recipients of the knowledge that was uh, passed down. Uh, through uh, Pinetana and there's a whole whakapapa yes, to it all yes. going back to Aperea Matonui and then uh, uh, way back so they were he was brought up in one of those and so he uh, was asked if he could uh, teach a whole group of people from up north and that's when the Wananga started in 1970 So so bringing that information literally from the dark to the light and in recent years we've noticed a, a, an increased interest in um, puanga, matariki and of course in recent times the maramataka. So was it in a way on, did you see your role in, in the maramataka to, to actually bring it to the people like you have been doing of late? Uh, 
that was also by default. <laughs> <laughs> okay. was a mate of mine from the uh, who's now uh, the member of the Society of Maori Astronomy Research and Traditions. Uh, he rang me up one day and he he complained and he said that the uh, this Maori calendar was useless. And so oh. I said, "What's what's the matter with it?" And he said, "Well, it doesn't align with the with the Pākehā calendar." And I said, "It, it never will." And he looks at me and said, you telling me that I've wasted 30 years? And I said, yep. And he spent that long trying to align them up, eh? And, and so we, when we, he flew to Auckland and we spent a couple of days just talking about the, how we were brought up and how we knew where things were and when the fish mm. would run, when the eels would run and all that type of stuff. It was a survival. It was a calendar or a template for survival in any foreign environment. And... And after a couple of nights, we thought if we didn't recover this knowledge and teach it, it's going to be lost. So in 2010, uh, we had some discussions in about 2011, I think, we set up the Society of Māori Astronomy Research and Traditions, now chaired by uh, Dr. Pauline Harris, an astrophysicist, in uh, going back and recapturing all these ancient knowledge that actually stretches right out through the Pacific and the knowledge that is being held up in Hawaii, for example, far older than what we know down here. Mm. Mm. I mean, have you always taught the maramataka, you know, since you've known about it, or has it just really been in, in, inside of you waiting to kind of, I don't know, burst through and, and, and talk about it to the masses who want to learn more about it? Or Yeah, well, when uh, we left Hokianga, we left all that behind because we were brought up uh, living the maramataka every day. Uh, mm. Year after year after year, and and then we we had this uh, instinctive uh, uh, knowledge of knowing when the, the fish were going to come up the waterways and when the eels were going to run out, uh, all that type of stuff. And so, but when you came to the city, uh, the economy changed, so you didn't have to rely on getting your own kai. Uh, you just go to the freezing works, work for a week, and spend your money the next day. Uh, and so the knowledge started to uh, to slip away. But mm. even though we still had that knowledge, we came down into Auckland, South Auckland, and I found that our maramataka from Hokianga worked, especially on the Manuko Harbour. Uh, and so that was interesting because we could watch the migration of the tuna out of the Takanini uh, River <laughs> down really? there, yeah, and we could go and get flounder on the on the Tangaro Kyokyo day, flounder in the daylight, which people were amazed about, but we had a bit of yes. fun about it. Uh, but yeah, there was no great drive to go back and reteach it and recapture that back then. It was just about having fun, actually. So the maramataka is the, um, and you do explain it in your presentation, but just to, for people who perhaps don't, who've heard about it but don't understand it, it's the Māori lunar calendar. It is the moon phases. Every day has a particular, so six phases of winter, eight phases of summer, and autumn and spring are only, you describe it as them being very short or intermediary. Yeah. Um, and so the phases, the moon phases themselves, every day, like what I was picking up from the presentations is that it's all about the energies of the day. Is that in a sense what the maramataka is? If you understand it well and, t and learn it well, it uh, teaches you how to tune in uh, to the shifts in the in the environment. 
and there are shifts every day. There are shifts every month. There are shifts. And I just got a text this morning mm. uh, from a park ranger who said the poor wananga is flowering. Uh, now that's the clematis. Now that's a month earlier than it normally flowers. So uh, suggesting maybe that we're going to head in. We're heading into some dry spells coming up in the summer. Uh, so the, those really early in the poor, the uh, the kohurangi also flowered back in the first week in July, and these are all those indicators. If you're tuned into the environment, it tells yes. you what's going, what's coming up, and basically that's what the maramataka teaches you how to tune in, not just to the flowering of the trees and the plants, but also to the uh, the songbirds and also to the not so much the movement of the planets. That's a specialty. Uh, which Rangi Maatamua is uh, very, very good at uh, for those astronomers. Um, but mostly around uh, tidal patterns, tidal flows, human behavior, animal behavior, all that type of thing. You, you can tune in quite quickly to what days you're in uh, just by observing all those, all that stuff. And also the, the fish migrations. It's almost like a new consciousness, eh? It's like bringing that consciousness to the forefront and being aware of the world around you. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, because if you and it helps you to plan uh, what's what's ahead. And there are days that are actually we're coming up to some of those days now uh, that we actually set aside for fasting, uh, moving slowly, uh, not too much running around. We were even. Uh, made to speak no louder than a whisper on those mutu whenua whiru and the tiria days. So, and wow. uh, our, our kuya used to fast for three days and they only drank punawai yeah, for those three days. Really challenging. Why do you think they, 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 they did that? Well, if you go back to some, uh, I'm just guessing here, but uh, you might have to ask uh, uh, Wahin and uh, kuya who are actually gone back to practicing that uh, but um, back when we were being brought up and during the uh, our tangihanga, uh, the f- funeral services, uh, usually lasted for three days. And the queer, uh, our aunties and our nannies who sat as a tupopo at the side of those uh, those two papaku, uh, they they wouldn't eat until after the burial, mm, and that yes. that was usually three days, and all they drank was water. I'm not sure if that was a preparation for that, but some of the our uh, wahine who have gone back to that practice say that um, when they go to uh, Tangihanga, uh, the tears flow, uh, flow a lot freer than they used to by just by that practice. And it kind of supports an old corridor from the Whare Wānanga about uh, wahine uh, being uh, the puna ruimata. Hey, the, the the fountain of uh, of, of of tears from yes. the uh, wahine because I can't remember how the the men actually practicing that. Right. And so it has to have something to do with the that puna that uh, puna ruimata and the puna aroha that uh, wahine were blessed with. So Didiata, you also said that. Uh, if any person has finished uh, unfinished assignments or writing to pick a Tangaroa day. And I'm not too sure if that was Tangaroa Kyo Kyo day. Um and, and so is that does that mean that the that, that particular phase is, is is good to get things finished in terms of human behaviour? 
Oh, it's just that uh, the, those tangaro phases, uh, you can get multiple things done in those tangaro phases. Uh, the calendars tell us that you can plant anything you want and it'll grow. Uh, and so that if you have multiple things to complete, those are the best days to uh, to choose to uh, to finish them off. The real, uh, if you wanted to work those long, long hours, then the Oturu Rako Nui Rako Matohi phases, the high energy days, are the ones that you can use because you only need minimal sleep on those days. But we use... Uh, um, uh, what the Hawaiians uh, say, the anahulu, which is a ten-day period. Say, eh? uh, so if you go from Rako Nui to Tangaroa Kyokyo, that's about ten days, and then ten days from Tangaroa Kyokyo to the Tamatea phases, and then another ten days, and you're back to uh, those high energies again. But within those ten, those anahulu phases, there's also the uh, three-day cycle. Where, for example, if you had three Tangaroa days, so you get Tangaroa Mua, Tangaroa Aroto, and Tangaroa Kyokyo, then Tangaroa Aroto, the middle one, is always the, if it's for energy, that will be the highest. If it's low energy, then that middle one will be the lowest. Mm. And so it builds up and it drops off depending on the, on the time of the, of the, the lunar cycle. So you talked about Maramataka being about, at the end of the day, being about the Oranga, and you spoke about um, why kai, um, you know, is basically what you need as a as a means of getting optimal health, which is water and good food. Um, so, I mean, would you would you describe the Maramataka as as a guide to Oranga to to better health? It's a template for for yeah for health for being healthy, not just in in terms of the physical health, but also spiritual and mental health, because it tells you that you can't work at 120% every day of the month, every month of the year. There are phases where you have to slow down. And this is where the Gregorian calendar is not helpful in this, in the sense that they and the uh, those uh, work calendars today just push people to the brink. And these calendars tell us that there are days when you need to slow down and there are days where you need to get cracking and get going, you know. And there's also spaces and time within those calendars to actually sit and plan what you're going to do. And uh, tomorrow is the end of our planning about what we're going to do. Uh, tomorrow is the start of the action. So I've noticed, uh, you know, these seems to be, uh, you, you certainly have done a lot of tra- travelling lately, uh, Renata, and uh, speaking at various locations. You spoke about, you know, one, one location was packed and there were people, you know, standing room only. And, you know, are you happy in the fact that there is an increased interest in, in the maramataka? It's, uh, it's different from, yeah, from when we first started out. So if we got a, a, a dozen people in the room, that was yeah. a big hui. <laughs> uh, and now they're in the hundreds, uh, mm. and they're closing them off. And yeah, I'm happy about the fact that people are, are seeing something useful uh, in aligning and, and getting some knowledge around the maramataka. Uh, I just worry though that there are also other people who misuse it, uh, mm. and most of those are sort of government departments, uh, councils, and in, in some parts. Except some of the some of the council things are good, but you know those types of people. But they and also uh, companies and organisations that use it for their own uh, benefit. So they misuse and mistreat the 
the intentions of the maramataka, which goes back to those four pō, uh, wai, kai, whenua and whare. Whare being shelter and, and uh, the realm of tāne and the, the forest and ngahere and places like that, which was the original whare. Do you mean misuse in the sense of like commercialising it, Reriata? Yeah, taking little bits and pieces of it and using it uh, as if it's the, as if they understand it. Eh? Mm. So they, uh, so for example, when they align days to do a certain uh, mahi, uh, for example, some of the uh, council matariki stuff there, there's, uh, they, I think the last one was uh, an interesting one where they went out on the night sail to see Matariki, but you can't see Matariki at night until January. You know, that type of thing? Yeah, and then they call, uh, I mean, they call uh, us stargazers to go and stare at the stars through telescopes, and it's on the Tangaro Kyokyo Day, and all our calendars say that Kapua Pua Terangi, Uamonehu Nehu, Hauruhi, so there's uh, cloudy skies, uh, uh, light winds, light rain, and uh, mist, misty skies uh, or shorelines, so you're not likely to see anything. Uh, and, and our calendars have been accurate for, you know, hundreds and hundreds mm. and hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm. And, you know, just uh, not understanding that, um, that within different areas, uh, the calendars are different. So what they were using was a calendar from not from Auckland but from somewhere else. Right, got you, yes. Because you're quite adamant in your presentations about um, Maramataka regional specific. Yes. Although, did you say that Tiarawa 3? Yes, it is. They have three old ones. One from, one's from Maketu, quite yes. clearly Maketu, a seashore sea, a one. And then there's one from the lakes area. And then there's one from the Ngahere. Wow. So, because That's the response is from the... What you can do and what they're doing now is working through observations about how they can align them. Because if you're in the bush, there are tohu in the bush that tell you when the fish are coming in in Makitu, when they're schooling. You get, either get the tohu from the birds or from the, the tohu in the trees. Uh, the flowering patterns of trees will tell you what's happening out at the sea. And then there are tohu out at the sea that tell you what's happening in land. Those are the connections that they're working on now. Uh, through some of the observations, they got lots of people observing them all the way up to Matata. And so, with the with the Hokianga Marmataka um, and Te Whanua Apunui, I know they don't start the they don't start with fiddle. Um, I read that they start with is it Terako Nui? That that that's uh, that's more of a convenience thing rather than a, a, um, because the difficulty with fiddle is that it's difficult to see, and you get I think you get a ten minute window. And you have to be looking in the exact spot uh, to be able to observe fiddle. And I don't know anyone who has observed fiddle. And so we use Rako Nui because it's a lot easier to, mm. to recognize. Okay. And we're not saying that that's the start, uh, no, by no means, uh, of, of, the, of the calendars. All, all our calendars have fiddle as the first day. And uh, Rakonu is about, I don't know, what is it, about 15 or something like that? Anyway, mm. uh, so it's about uh, what you can actually see uh, because the worst thing that you can do is to take uh, Tamariki out or even Mokopune out uh, to go stargazing and you see nothing. That's uh, right, yes. I mean, it's terrible. And so we shifted to, 
Well, we've always used Rākau Nui because it's a lot easier because there are three days all to do, Rākau Nui, Rākau Mātohi. You've got three chances of getting it right. Uh, That's true. Yeah, whereas Fido, you only get one shot. So future-wise, Liliata, you spoke about creating some sort of uh, university or online platform that will remain in New Zealand and won't be accessible overseas in order to disseminate or to further educate people about the maramataka. Is that sort of where you're heading to? Yeah, we've been uh, working on that on that plan for a while. There's uh, heaps of hurdles to um, uh, to climb, lots of uh, mountains to climb on that yes. one. Yeah. Uh, but so what we're doing at the moment uh, is that we are uh, collecting as much of the information as we can, and then storing it in places like our kura, for example, and getting our kura kids. Uh, to actually start uh, developing and designing uh, science curriculums based around the maramataka. One of the things is that because of the huge surge in interest Mm. and that people are are now looking at their own uh, sort of rohe, their own area, their own hapu area, you know, it's really good feeling to know that this knowledge is never going to be lost and uh, there's not much more for me to do except to just to fine-tune in different areas, like down in Waiuku, for example, where they've found an old uh, maramataka for that area they didn't know that they had, <laughs> and wow. all these sorts of things. So they're all coming to light, and it's really good and positive. And now we're just working and teaching people how to observe the, their environment because it's not just about uh, planting and fishing, but it's also about human behavior. Mm-hmm. In responses to the uh, to the environment, and so it's it's going to be part of the the whole uh, area that they're looking at now for uh, not just our um, health and well-being, but also around mental health. Uh, that the maramataka is now playing a big role in in guiding some of the conversations and some of the behaviours uh, and helping Fano to overcome some of those. Uh, challenging stresses in life because the maramataka could do that in the past and it can do it in the future. Yes, kia ora. Reriata, are you coming up any um, amongst or against any critics of the maramataka? You, you, you always get critics. Yeah. Um, but then you, if you, you know your, your mātauranga, you're solid on, on what you, your mātauranga is all about, it's pretty hard to criticise when the whole planet lived that way. Uh, it wasn't just us in the Pacific, up in the islands, in Māori down here in Aotearoa. The whole planet lived by these uh, lunar calendars. And each uh, country, uh, the ancient way of uh, lifestyle was based around these maramataka. I've, I've been up to America with the um, Navajo Nation, and they have their own maramataka in brilliant alignment with some of the stuff that we're doing. The Aztecs, the Incas, you know, going right back to those old, those old uh, 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 people from, from the past, and it just lines up everywhere. Tēnei te mihi mai o hā ki a koe e reriata mākiha. Kwa tākoha mai o kōrero tukuiho ki te marea. 
Special thanks to Diriata Makiha. For more information about the Maramataka, you'll find useful links on our webpage rnz.co.nz forward slash tiahika. He mihi mai o hatine kia koutou katoa kua whakarongo pīkari mai ana ki tēnei o ngā hōtaka. Hoki mai hei tērā rātapu, mauri tū, mauri ora. Do you remember when you were younger How you like to spend your time Playing games in the street With the neighborhood regulars Playing till the sun dies Now you 